0: They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. My name is
1: Clay Newcomb and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. It's a beautiful spring day here in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas, and we just got done recording this podcast that you're about to listen to with our friend Brandon Adams from Major League Bowhunter. Brandon, kill the bear Over in Oklahoma this last year in 2018, first bear that he ever took, we spend about an hour talking with him about a special project that he's working on that you'll be able to watch and learn more about later this fall, but we're talking about this unique Oklahoma-based hunting project, I'm not going to give it away, but on this podcast, Brandon's a neat guy, he's been working full-time in the outdoor industry for the last 10 or 12 years, And we had a fun conversation with Brandon Adams. You're going to enjoy this podcast. I want to introduce something today that is going to be new to everybody that's listening to our podcast. We have become Patreon members. We now have a Bear Hunting Magazine Patreon account. For those of you who are not familiar with Patreon, Patreon is a way for people, if they so choose, out of the volition of their own heart, out of the out of the, the the gratitude in their own heart for quality outdoor related content, you could become a Patreon and give money monthly to the Bear Honey Magazine podcast and our YouTube channel. This is so basically the way this works, guys, is People produce this content, and this is a way for people to support them. Now, you can support Bear Hunting Magazine by, be- by becoming a subscriber to Bear Hunting Magazine, to our print magazine. So that helps us, that helps you, you get something in return for that. But if that just isn't what you're interested in doing, then you could become a Patreon of Bear Hunting Magazine. And the way that you would do that is you would go to our podcast page on the bear-hunting.com website. And when you go to our podcast page, you'll see a link to Patreon. And on that link, you'll see we have like three different tiers and these different tiers get different things. So when you become a Patreon, we're going to be creating uh some exclusive content, not much. All our content is always going to be free from a digital platform. We're not saying you have to be a Patreon member to listen to this podcast or watch our videos or anything, but we are going to do some kind of like, uh, impromptu updates that we're going to give to people that are, that are supporting us on Patreon. There's also some packages of Patreon. So like you give a certain amount per month and you get our DVDs, you get access to, uh, to early viewings of a couple of videos that we're going to post on youtube at different times um so anyway check it out and if you know if you don't want to don't check it out but check it out and uh that's just a way that you can help us create more content because we we work hard at the magazine and that's that's primary the core of our business but we're also producing this other content and uh And we're just trying to continue to do it better. So, hey, thanks for checking out the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. You're going to enjoy this episode with Brandon Adams. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I believe the date is April 25th, 3rd. 23rd. 3rd. 23rd. I like living in the future. (laughs) April twenty third, we're at the Bear Hunting Magazine global headquarters, and we have a awesome guest in the office today, Mister Brandon Adams from Oklahoma. I also agree. have uh, also have Colby Moorhead of Bear Hunting Magazine here, and so, Bear Tech. Bear Tech, <laughs> the Bear Hunting Magazine, Bear Tech is here. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you why Brandon is here. For Brandon, I'm going to give a little introduction of you of what I know of you mm-hmm. and then but I want you to I mean this podcast is going to be about talking about some stuff that Brandon's doing some projects Brandon's a new bear hunter uh, and broader than that but so right. Brandon Adams he is a he's been with Major League Bowhunter which is a show on the Outdoor Channel Sportsman's Channel dang Sportsman's Channel that's alright <laughs> Sportsman's Channel for many years so Brandon has been on the show a hunter on the show a videographer he's also the he he's the producer of the show, so that's that's kind of what you do, right? So uh, and I met Brandon a couple of years ago through a friend of ours that uh, introduced us because Brandon he's from Oklahoma, but you're really not from the part of Oklahoma where the bears are, and so you we we got connected th- about Oklahoma black bear hunting, and you were going to be doing some hunting, and uh, so that's how we met, right? right. Yeah, probably three years ago or something.
2: Uh, no, it was the beginning of it. It's been a little over a year.
1: Is that all? Yep.
2: We right met and I feel you, like
1: I've known you for three years. That's right. Well, as much and as I text you. I also think it's April 25th, and it's really April 23rd.
2: It is not April 25th, hopefully, because April 25th is my wedding anniversary, and this year is my 10th wow. anniversary. Wow, wow. Yeah, okay. Congratulations. Good. Thank
1: you, yeah. You would know if it was April 25th. I would definitely,
2: or my wife would definitely let me know about it. Uh, but yeah, we, we okay, met, so we met to, last year. Okay, we met last at year. At ATA. Yep. Mr. Okay. Mr. Tim, so uh, just introduces. a little over a year. Yep. Okay. But I text you so much and ask you so many questions that it's felt like three years. Yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so, well,
1: that's that's what it is, man. Yeah. You've texted me three years worth of friendship. That's a hundred percent accurate. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, you know what? It's awesome. I, I anybody that's wanting to, I mean, you you ask good questions, so that's good. But um, okay. okay, tell us, Brandon. Give me. I think a lot of people. I was interested when I met you a mm-hmm. year ago, uh, to learn how you got involved with major league bow hunter and kind of how you just kind of your story. So why don't, right. why don't you tell us your story of how you, cause you're, you make a living full time in the outdoor industry. That's just what you do. Right. And, uh, so give us, give us the story of how you got hooked up with these guys. Oh boy. Where do we want to start this story? Right. Uh, okay.
2: I'll, I'll start on the abbreviated version of my history. Okay. Um, I started filming hunts whenever I was a kid. Wait, wait, wait.
1: This story's supposed to start, I was born in a small shack I was born, in central Oklahoma. I was born in
2: the late 80s in California.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I, <laughs> wanted, I wanted it to be, I was born in the small tar paper shack in the, nope. the foothills of Oklahoma. Nope, nope. Okay. I was I was
2: born on a military base. You go ahead base. and tell your story. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, we'll, uh,
2: we'll edit this, and uh, we'll have a cooler story later. No, but I was born in California, actually, on a military base, bounced around okay. in the military. I'm an Army brat bounced around for a little bit and ended up back in central Oklahoma, which is where my family's from. Uh, but I've been infatuated. I was fortunate, very fortunate to grow up on a farm and a ranch. Yeah. So uh, I was fortunate in a couple of ways. One, uh, it instilled upon me a work ethic because I've been working since I was nine years old, you know, talking 18 yeah. hour days <laughs> as a you know, 11, 12 year old hauling hay, you know, doing hay and doing the ranch stuff. And uh, luckily to have that, Right, you know, in my blood, and as a foundation, and, of yeah, your exactly. Life because it, it's super easy to stand out, uh, uh in a world of, of office people that aren't used to working hard. You know, yeah. office work is super easy to me because yeah. I, I grew up doing, you know, working on my back. Yeah, uh, super lucky there, and also super fortunate to have all that land to go stomping around, chasing yeah. animals, hunting, fishing. If it was in season in Oklahoma, I was hunting it, yeah. and was lucky to have a. Uh, A family that not only supported me, but encouraged me uh, to get out there as much as possible. And I grew up playing sports, so I was a super busy kid. I don't know how my parents did it, honestly. Uh, But I was always infatuated. I mean, literally from a 10, 11-year-old kid. I was 10. uh, I took a a VHS camera, you know, one of the big shoulder cameras that uh, my mom and dad had up in the closet. And I would take it out, and I would film hunting stuff. I'd go outside and film birds. I'd go outside Mm. and try to film deer out in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, I remember hooking up VCRs in a line with, uh, you know, like the RCA jacks and using them in a line to take raw footage and, to, and create, you know, quote, unquote, edited.
1: So you were editing back as a ten VHS tapes. VHS, yeah.
2: Which, I mean, this was in the 90s, so there was definitely higher technology around. But that's what I yeah. used. Yeah. Uh, but I actually, I tell you this, uh, not a lot of people know this, but whenever I was 10 years old, this is true. Uh, I had a but- tr- this is true. Yeah, true. this well, people don't believe this, but I had a buddy <laughs> who was also my age who knew HTML code as a 10-year-old. And oh, wow. he taught me how to write HTML code, and as 10-year-olds, we created websites. You mm. know, in the 90s. Uh mine was wow. called OK Whitetails for Oklahoma Whitetails. Really? He was a big turkey hunter, and so his was called Turkey Hunting HQ. Do you still turkey. own that domain? Well, it was it was not. We didn't own the domain. It was .dot zero catch. It may still be online. Honestly, I haven't logged on. <laughs> I don't even know. So yeah, if you go to yeah. whitetails .dot zero, like the number zero, okay, catch .dot com, you'll see some of your old work. But here's the <laughs> thing: I went under a pseudo name, so I Ooh. went under Brandon Jones. Oh, yep, that's that's a true story. As a 10 11 year That's old
1: a lot of savvy for a 10 year old in the yeah 90s. you
2: you want to know i know you own a magazine <laughs> but you want to know something funny about what i think about outdoor riders and this proves my story uh <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> say too much but i read everything i could i get infatuated things and, and i was reading everything i could you know right. magazines books which at the time there was hardly any you know hunting books right. uh but I was reading every one I could, and yeah. I was just regurgitating that. So I was able to put down on you know pen and pad articles. Yeah, that yeah. I was just regurgitating things that I had read previously. So, so they'll be
1: putting these on your website. They're, they're on, on my they're on my website. Yes. Okay.
2: I, I'm sure. I don't know what. I truly don't know what's on there. But there is definitely tips on there from a 10 or 11 year old Brandon Adams. Wow. <laughs> uh,
1: now how old are you now, Brandon? I'm trying to. Get I
2: it. I turned 30. Saturday, actually.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. so
2: I'm I'm on the right side so of it. So it would have
1: been the late 90s. Yes, 90, 90 yeah, okay. 99. Okay, probably. I was trying to equate right. when the internet, I mean, that's really about when the internet really started coming and people. Right. It was a little more mainstream, but totally not mainstream. That's but,
2: why we went under a pseudoname, because it was like, I mean, I was 10, for one, and it was, you know, everyone was afraid of losing their identity, and, you know, it was just new. Yeah, No yeah. one knew what it was, Uh. So like I said, I went under Brandon Jones, and he went under uh, his name's I don't know if, I don't want to say his name, but he went under a pseudonym <laughs> too. Uh, but anyway, there, there's regurgitated articles on that website yeah, yeah. if you can find it. Uh, but anyway, from there it, it led to getting my hands on a, a newer you know a newer camera, it was a high eight camera, and uh, my bu- a different buddy and I uh, we started shooting competitive archery, traveling the country doing that, and then that led to us to filming each other's hunts in the fall. Uh, that led to uh, there was a local TV show in, out of Oklahoma City that was taking applications for a pro staff, and this mm-hmm. was in the early two thousand, mid two thousands. And uh, I applied us uh, without asking him. Actually, <laughs> it was a two hundred fifty dollars. application. Like, did you application.
1: use his pseudo or his real name? No, nope, this is real. Name. I did okay. lie
2: about my age. I, I was. I've always been. This is true. <laughs> I don't know. Am I going to lie about this? But I've always lied about my age. Cause I always feel
1: um,
2: discriminated
1: against because
2: of your right youth? because I've always been young. Okay. You know, even one now, day that'll change. I know. And I'm rel- I mean, I'm lo- really looking forward to my thirties. Because You just turned thirty? I turned I haven't turned thirty yet. I turned thirty Saturday. Really? Yeah.
1: I've got a good I've got a good quote about Daniel Boone's life about a man's thirties I have to share with you. Later I, I, later. Would, I would love to I don't to want you. to misquote it. <laughs> I would but love the thirties are like thirties are a good decade. I I'm coming out of my thirties. Well. I will, I'll be you did forty it. in September. Well, you did it. Yeah, yeah. I made it out of my twenties. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't.
2: have made a Saturday yet.
1: <laughs> uh, well, Man, this is the this is the good version. Yeah. I wasn't sure what version we were going to get. So. Yeah. We got the HTML code. We got the website. Yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, well, I
2: don't so know. So I always the, lied about my the pro edge, staff, right. So yeah. Pro staff. So I was sixteen whenever I applied for for this oh, okay. pro staff, but I so I told him I was seventeen why i did that i have no idea also fun fact when i met my wife i was 17 going into my senior year which would have been the next year uh, i told her i was 18 because <laughs> she's older than me you know i was
1: going into my senior year what did year, she think when she found out you lied to her
2: you know how she found out i was on the phone with her and then well, on my cell phone and then the house phone rang, and it was a – I think it was a college recruiter, like for sports or something. It could have been – I don't know. It was a recruiter of some kind. And it, he was asking me a bunch of questions, and I put my wife or my girlfriend you know, down like this, and I was talking to this recruiter. I was on the phone for like 10 minutes. He asked all kinds of questions about myself, including my birthday. And mind you, that was like one of the first questions. Okay. And then we talked for like five minutes, 10 minutes, and then I hung up with him, and then I picked the phone she back up. She was like, you're not goes, 18. She said – When'd you say your birthday was? <laughs> 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 what year did you say you were born? <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh oh. And she got <laughs> me. Yeah. So she's three years older. She's three years and two weeks older than me. Okay. Which means for two weeks out of the year, including right now, she's four years older than me.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So
2: okay, kind of just gave away my wife's age. But sorry, babe. I love you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. But anyway, uh, my, my point was is I did lie about my age there. But got accepted onto the pro staff. Uh, was again, I've, I've been very blessed and very fortunate throughout my life to have uh, opportunities, but also been very fortunate to take advantage of those opportunities. And our first year on uh, pro staff for this local TV show, which at the time was just now getting into, uh, you remember the Men's Channel, M O R. I don't, recreation. I don't remember that. It, it turned into, uh, I believe, it turned into Sportsman's Channel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, we were we were that show was just going on the Men's Channel, and my partner and I, my hunting partner and I. Uh, We had a really good first year, and that set set us up really good for, uh, you know, the upcoming season. And uh, that next year, we had another – I had a really good year, and we we split up. And then the owner of the show that I was on asked me if I wanted to film him, you know, as a full-time field producer. Right. And I was like, uh, yep. And so that next fall, I I filmed him, which was – so my first year actually getting a paycheck in the outdoor industry was 2008. Okay. So this is, uh, oh, what is that? Well, this, 11, this is 11th, 11th, 11th season. Yeah, well, 12th yeah. season. Uh, Yeah, going into my 12th season yeah, in 09. Okay. Um, or 11th. No, 07 was the first year I filmed them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. the
2: point is I've been filming professionally, quote-unquote professionally, since yeah. 07. I've uh, been in the outdoor industry since 05, 06. Okay.
1: So how, how did you get in with the major league right. guys? Right.
2: So the owner of that company – we were in cahoots with this other company called Buck Commander, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, with Matt Duff and Chipper, and you know, there's a bunch of them: Roachy and Langie and Tombo, uh, Robertson, uh, Willie. We uh, was in cahoots with them, and the show that we were on and the show that they were on, they wanted to focus. They, all, they you know, there was a group of them that was, you know, diehard bow hunters, and they wanted to make a show that was just about bow hunting and was educational. And that was where Major League Bowhunter was born. Mm. Uh, And so, at the time, I was producing the other show, and uh, they asked me if I could produce this show, too, Major League Bowhunter. Okay. And mind you, I only had a year or two of experience, but I was like, sure, why not? Who needs to sleep? You know, We can do that when I'm dead, (laughs) when I'm 40. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's all we do. Yeah. (laughs) That's (laughs) all 40-year-olds do. That's what you've been researching? Sleeping. Yeah. But anyway, that was that was. I've been around Major League Bowhunter since the beginning, literally the very first. When did they start? uh, We started filming in uh, 2010. 2010. We're we're actually filming for season ten right now. Really? Yeah. So I'm putting together the episodes for season nine, which we filmed last, you know, fall.
1: And then you're about to start filming season ten. So
2: we'll be filming uh, not next week, but the week after that for some in the field stuff for some. uh, you know, putting together some properties and stuff that yeah. will be for season ten. Yeah, uh, which is really cool uh, to be producing a show that long and be a part of a show that long. So, yeah, and uh, since I started out as a producer, I was a field producer and then a producer, and then that led to I kind of stepped down as field producing. I just did the producing part, and I kind of I'd say oversue. Uh, you know, I, I made sure that the field producers got what we what I needed to make a show, and then since then, I've taken over. Uh, a lot of day-to-day operations at major league bow hunter you know we're fortunate to have uh, a good mark you know our major league bow hunters real strong yeah. logo yeah yeah. and um so i i, I had a lot of business stuff i handle a lot of you know behind the yeah. scenes not just on the tv uh tv show side so right yeah it's uh i've been like i said i've been very fortunate to have the opportunities i've been very yeah. fortunate to take advantage of the ones I've got. Well,
1: it's evident to me that you're an extremely hard worker. Even that you're here, drove three hours today to to come up here and meet with us, but also to work on this project that we're going to right. talk about here in just a minute. Right. And and that's really what it takes. You know, when I when I meet people that are professional videographers, and you, we when we talk about like working in the outdoor industry to create content, I think sometimes people the general feeling sometimes of people that are professionals from people who are not professionals can sometimes be sort of negative, maybe not negative, but just like, like uh, just thinking that maybe people not understanding people's motivations. And what I, what I like to see in somebody like you is, I mean, you're a passionate hunter. I mean, that's, that is your motivation for all the work that, you've done and now granted the the work side of it i mean like you're technically skilled and you learned a lot of these skills but really the fuel for all that was the desire to work inside of an industry that you loved and i mean just that that just being a being a hunter i think sometimes people see People that are professionals, especially television, and television guys have the have the bad rap, and I think it's because some people maybe are <laughs> jealous. I don't know, yeah. but uh, but like, I mean, I don't know. I just want to say that because I, I, sometimes I hear guys, people talking about producing television shows, and sometimes like the hunting side of it gets lost. But I, I don't see that getting lost inside of you. I mean, like you're no. you're 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 you love it. You're <laughs> when, passionate about it.
2: When I set out to. I mean, I, I truly did set out to be in this industry. I set out to make a living in the outdoor world. I didn't know yeah. how I was going to do it. I didn't know if I was going to be a guide. I didn't know if I was going to, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. I stood up at, at my senior year in high school. I stood up in like this leadership, uh, you know, council or meeting or whatever in front of all the leaders of my hometown and told them that I wanted to be a professional hunter. Mm. And they all laughed. Now I'm kind of a cut up and, you know. Make people laugh, you know. Anyway, so they laughed, and I wasn't joking. And yeah. to say that that didn't have a little, put a little grit in my belly, you know, to, to make it right. make me work even a little it harder, yep, uh, would would be a lie. Uh, but like I said earlier, you know, not that long ago, I was fortunate to grow up on a farm to learn a good work right. ethic, and that has led well into this industry. And the, the negative con- uh, connotation uh, people have for celebrities that's a that's a terrible word but for the right yeah yeah uh, it's actually probably getting worse because of the world of social media you know (laughs) people put influencer or public figure yeah whatever and think they're more than they're not yeah Uh, some people are in it for different motives than others but I I truly love hunting I truly love making a living and uh, providing for my family Yeah. Uh, Not only, you know, by the animals I bring in, but from the financial Uh, reward. The other
1: thing that I think people don't understand is that (laughs) it took a tremendous amount of sacrifice. Like, they might see you now saying, oh, man, you're producing Major League Bowhunter and get to hunt and do all this all the time. Like, man, there's no safeguard. Like, I'm constantly kind of just watching people that I know. I mean, just my friends that have, like, normal jobs. Mm -hmm and have like consistent pay, yep. and have benefits, and get paid time off. Yep. And when they leave work at 5 o'clock, they don't have to think about it again yep. until I 8 heard. o'clock the next morning. Like, There's a massive amount of sacrifice that goes into stuff. And it's not for everybody, nor could everybody do it. And I don't say that from a position of everybody. I mean, it's just like, I don't know, there's only so many spots carved out where somebody could make a, a living in the outdoor industry. Like, I've had people ask me, Clay, what would you – suggest for someone that wants to make a living in the outdoor industry. And I'm like, man, I don't have a ton of suggestions Uh, kind of like drowning their dreams. I mean, like I I feel like what, what I've done was almost scripted out for me. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened that I couldn't have controlled. Right. If I could say just like my buddy that is highly successful in the Walmart corporation, like a whole lot of stuff had happened for him that, that, he couldn't have scripted, you know, right. and, and I'm not discounting well, hard work or intent. Right. Because, but honestly, I never had an intent to work in the outdoor industry. And maybe that's why my perspective is a little bit different. Uh, but I never really, like, I always thought it was kind of a pipe dream. And maybe this is remnants of that. I was like, man, I just got to. But, but I found myself making decisions over time that constantly favored me being in the woods. mm mm-hmm. You know, like I've I started my own business, and not, not this business, but another one that allowed me to, to hunt a lot, that gave me a lot of freedom, that allowed me to not have a boss that could tell me when and when not to work. Right. You know, so I kind of geared my life towards this, and for other reasons, too, for my family. I wanted to raise my family and be able to do what I wanted to do. But anyway, because a lot of people, I, I feel like that's a question a lot of people have is, like, how do you get into the outdoor industry? And I actually hate to even bring that question up on this podcast. Well,
2: you know, I get that all the time as well. And the number one thing I tell people is if they truly want to do it, they got to try. Yeah. A lot of people don't try. I know that's a, that's a silly way. A lot of people give up. A lot of people don't try. A lot of people give up quickly. You know, I wanted this. I wanted to make a living in the outdoor industry. Now, however I could. I mean, that's I, fortunate. It's not not the right word. Uh I was able to push through not making money for many years.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. I mean I say a lot I, of sacrifice. I, a
2: lot of sacrifice and a lot of quarrels <laughs> with you know, my beautiful wife. <laughs> but you know, there was a, there was several years where we weren't making nothing. I mean I'm talking, yeah. you know, making I don't want to get into specifics, but you know, making ten, twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Because I was trying to make it, I was trying to do it. I did that for two or three years. Yeah, where we were, and and she was a full time student. She had a, we had a a young daughter, and I mean,
0: there was
1: a price to pay for. There
2: was a, there was a, but I worked my butt off, and it's it's paid off. I'm I I found a career. You know, now (laughs) I've been told by numerous people I'm on the wrong side of my career in this industry,
1: but what do you mean like that? television is
2: television it's yeah it's, it's getting too it's very saturated television specifically is yeah, Okay. well not even television but just content yes the content
1: uh, everybody's it, creating. Content. everyone
2: can create content everyone can create and there's a lot of people that can create great content that you can get for free online uh which we offer I, I hate those people I know <laughs> I know it's horrendous uh but like, you know
1: like the Bear Honey magazine YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> Spot it up. Right. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Yeah. Uh
2: but the the I guess sponsorship dollars like when I was first coming in the industry was the heyday. You know, there right, was, there yes. were there was a small crop of really outlets that these companies could go to. Right, yeah. Now now they can they can distribute that money little bits here and there and to get, get a yes. bigger reach. And that's what, you know, that's and, what they and they have that. every right to, I mean, that's, yeah. they're trying to reach as many people as possible.
1: Yeah. So
2: you just gotta be, you gotta be creative. And just like whenever, you know, I was making, you know, less than a thousand dollars a month, you gotta work your butt off and work through it and figure you know, out how to make it work, figure out how to make it work. And like I said, we're very fortunate. I mean, uh, at major League Bowen, or to have a, uh, to have a good logo, basically, you know, yeah, have a good yeah. mark. You don't have to know what Major League Bowhunter You've got a TV solid show is. brand, right? We have a it's really a brand good brand that people
1: recognize for sure.
2: Well, you don't even have to know what the show is about. If you walk into a store, or you're online, you see, and you're a bow hunter, you see Major League Bowhunter, you identify with that mark. Yeah, and, and we're, we're we're lucky to have that. Yeah, frankly,
1: yeah, it really is a good solid. Because a lot logo of a lot of TV brand.
2: shows are trying to sell, you know, their show as a brand. Where really our brand has a TV show. Yeah. You know?
1: So. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, that's a good introduction to kind of get you to where where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And so what we really want to talk about is we want to talk, well, we want to talk about the broader project, which I I think I'll let you introduce, but we also want to talk about Oklahoma Black Bear. Right. Because the project entails that. So why don't you give a give like a one-minute version of the of the project okay. okay, and kind of the intent of it, and then we can dive in. And I, and I would like to nerd out a little bit on Oklahoma black bear.
2: I would love to hear it. Uh, so basically what we're doing here is this last fall I was very fortunate to uh, attempt something that I've been meaning to attempt for a long time, and it's called the Oklahoma Grand Slam. In Oklahoma, we're very lucky to have five, a huntable population of five big game animals. Uh, yeah. And and all over the counter tags in regulated seasons for non-residents, residents alike. Yeah, uh, which is black bear, elk, antelope, whitetail, and mule deer. Yeah, uh, and and honestly, most people, a lot of people, don't even know about <laughs> a lot of. Those. I bet <laughs> if you
1: were to poll the listeners right now, and you would have said. How many of those animals would you have known were in Oklahoma? I bet money most of them would have said one of those animals. White-tailed probably, deer.
2: Probably one.
1: You're right. No, you, I mean really. Yeah. You, antelope, mule deer. Elk, black bear,
2: and not just in the state, huntable populations. Because right. in Oklahoma too, we have—I mean, we have a huntable population of oddad, which I didn't know until I started this adventure. We have right. bighorn sheep up in the black, uh, up in the Black Mesa, up in the very tip of the deal. I had no idea we had bighorn sheep that even now. Were the
1: bighorn sheep native to Oklahoma, or did they I introduce think them? I, I know the oddad obviously would not be a North American obvi- yeah, native that's species.
2: Uh, the I have no idea if the bighorn sheep migrated naturally or they're in the very. I mean, t- I'm sure
1: they were introduced at some point. Like in, like these animals were actually reintroduced there. I know that for sure. But my question, you know, would I be, would they be native to Oklahoma? No idea. I really yeah. don't.
2: And we have, you know, obviously uh, mountain lion up, especially up in the Panhandle. There's a pretty, pretty healthy population of mountain yeah. lion. No uh, season on mountain lion. There is no season on mountain. It's it's kind of a weird deal in the regulations if you ever read it, because it's uh-uh. you, you have to have a hunting license to kill one. But there's no season on it, and you're not allowed to kill one unless it's threatening you. But it's, if it's threatening you, why do you have to have a hunting license <laughs> to kill it?
0: You see I what I'm seen, saying? That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> it's one okay. of life's great mysteries. Yeah. Okay, <laughs>
1: got it.
2: But there's definitely a a pretty good population in the Panhandle. Huh. Huh. And of course, you know, there's sightings everywhere. As
1: yeah. Everywhere, that's,
2: yeah, that's just the way it is. But anyway, uh, that's that's what it's called. And the project it call is called Slammed. It's going to be a okay. uh, basically a ninety ninety minute film. So it's a full length feature it's film. Gonna be a feature, basically a feature film. Yeah, it's going to air on the Sportsman's Channel. Uh, we haven't nailed down the exact airtime, but it'll, it'll right. air sometime this year. Uh, and then once it airs there, it'll go online to a digital platform on probably YouTube. Okay. Uh, and So the, it's a
1: so it's a ninety minute film about you last year in twenty eighteen. Yep harvesting all of those big-game animals in Oklahoma. Correct. Yep. Wow. Yep. And uh, I didn't know that.
2: So <laughs> you mean to get into the story of how it came about? Sure. Okay. So I th- this has only been possible for the last 10 years. Right. Because the bear season came, the first Oklahoma bear season that I'm aware of, you know, regulated oh, nine. bear season, was in 2009. Yeah. And um, my first bear hunt ever was in 2014 and when in 2014 that was kind of when i really realized what we had in our state we had five big game animals all over counter tags yeah uh so th- i wanted to attempt it then but i didn't have the resources you know to really do it and what happened was i was at one of my really good friends weddings our wedding um uh, this last or to that the fall of 2017 and his mm-hmm. father-in-law is now father-in-law came up to me and asked me if i ever wanted to hunt elk in oklahoma that I have. He told me that I have a place to hunt elk, and I'm mm. like, well, let's go. <laughs> and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. once I realized I had an elk property, I already had, obviously, whitetail, uh, and yeah. very fortunate that Major League Bullhunter has a lease in the panhandle that has mule deer. Okay. So now I only needed two. I needed black bear. and I needed antelope. Yeah. So I hit up Instagram <laughs> because why wouldn't you hit up Instagram as a late 20s uh, young man? Yeah. You're I, totally a millennial. I I am. Yeah. I think I'm squarely in the millennial millennial <laughs> range there. <laughs> Uh, but I hit up Instagram and very, very, very fortunate. I, it, within, within an hour, I had an antelope property.
1: Is that right? Yeah. Within, wow. Well,
2: and I had dozens of leads too, but I had, yeah, I had the guy that I ended up hunting with, uh, Mr. Zach Alvin. And then I ended up getting the lead on bear in Southeastern Oklahoma had, uh, Jason Curtis. here, he runs an operation down there called off grid whitetails. And, uh, he was oh, su- super, super gracious, uh, that he allowed me to come down. Yeah. Um, uh, are super thankful that he allowed me to come down uh, and hunt black bear on, on his property and yeah. whitetail too. Um, but <laughs> after getting all five of those, my elk property actually fell through. And so mm-hmm. now I've already told everyone what I'm doing and I'm missing an elk and I have to, you know, obviously have an elk property. Cause in yeah. Oklahoma, it's over the counter tag for elk. But the only catch is you for over counter tag, you have to hunt on private ground.
1: Right. So you gotta have landowner permission. Correct. So so to have that, you
2: had to have, you have to have a landowner give you permission. (laughs) Yeah. And so what I did is I called every person I knew down there and that didn't work. So then I opened up, uh, you know, the, the apps on my phone, uh, which I used uh, an app called hunt stand and was looking at, you know, uh, the different landowners and, you know, gives their phone number on there and was dialing, I mean, dozens of phone numbers. Wow. And, uh, None of the everyone said no. Everyone's brother and everyone's cousin, and everyone hunted these elk because you know it's a very finite amount of land that yeah. has that resource. It seems
1: it. like it'd be a very coveted, very it, coveted tag.
2: It is, yeah, well, for sure. Well, it's a coveted, yeah, yeah, it is. It's coveted to have uh, a property that has them on it, yeah, a huntable population, yeah. Anyway, I contacted, ended up contacting buddy Brett Cardin, who runs an outfitter in southwestern Oklahoma. and I was kind of curious if he had elk himself. Cause he's in that kind of that area and yeah. he said he didn't, but he knew of someone that might. And within an hour I ended up having the property that I ended up hunting on, wow. which I say that the guy that gave me permission, he had a 300, he had 320 acres. He said, you more than welcome to come out. His name's Trevor Johnson. He's become a great friend, by the way. <coughs> he uh, said, you're more than welcome to hunt here, but on that 320 acres, legitimately 30 of it was even huntable. The rest of it was as flat as this floor. Uh, right. and then, the other thirty went up the side of this mountain, and when I'm talking about a mountain, this is a, daggone mountain, yeah. the very north end of the Wichita Mountains. Well, what he did is he used me as an uh, as a reason to contact his neighbor who doesn't allow hunting, and he used me told him, told him what I was doing, and mm. got me permission to hunt on his neighbor's oh, land, wow. which has almost two thousand acres of some of the prettiest and prime, wow, uh, elk habitat you've seen. Let he- me eat that friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Let me.
1: I don't. I don't know that part of Oklahoma at all. Right. I mean, I've. I don't even really think I've driven through there. But from the pictures that I've seen, the video you showed me some video this morning, mm-hmm. it's like. Uh, it's it's like yeah like super flat. I mean, it looks like the prairie. Yep. But then there's these pretty big mountains. I don't know. i It looks like they're. Two thousand foot, fifteen hundred foot, they're, like they're in
2: over thousand foot peaks where we were at. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: r- rocky. Shrubby. It almost looks like New Mexico or something. It's, Is that how you would describe it?
2: I, I actually, I would describe it unlike anywhere I've ever been, just because okay. of the because of the actual rock, not just composition, but the, the way the rocks are. It's the roughest terrain. And it's I've the ever Wichita
1: Mountains, Wichita. not to be confused with the, the Washita Mountains. Mountains with an O. That's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the Wichita with a W. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, and so like you said, it's, it's super flat in the bottoms with mesquite trees, and it just looks like you know, it looks like Texas. Yeah, it's just super flat. Yeah. And then it just runs boom right into the Wichita Mountains, which is just you got gravel, you know, uh, rocks the size of gravel, all the way up to the size of houses and yeah. and, and, and like, really like rocky. super rocky. And so whenever you're walking across this if you're jumping from rock to rock and while we were there it was raining the entire time. So it was real dangerous. There's a lot of rattlesnakes. I mean it was mm. it, it was the roughest country I've ever been in. If it was at altitude, like some of the places that we hunt in Colorado and New Mexico, places I've been in Montana it would be it would be the worst it would be the worst conditions I've ever been in for. Yeah, but it's, really? luckily, you know, you're talking about you know 2,000 feet above sea level, or whatever you know, it's so, super low. Yeah. There's there's no breathing uh, issues
1: issues right. So how far is that from where you live? So I'm I'm lucky because I live
2: in Central Oklahoma. You're in live, the center,
1: right? Yeah, I live. You're right about two and a half three hours from just about everywhere. Is that right?
2: <laughs> uh, from the bear and from the elk, yes. Okay. Uh, the the you had to get to the panhandle. For the, the tip that. of the panhandle is a long way, so that's about five, a little over five hours, five and a half. Okay, uh, and then the place that we hunt, we have another the lease that we have for the mule deer and the where I end up killing my whitetail uh, is also in the panhandle, on the east end of the panhandle. Yeah, and it's about four and a half hours away. Yeah. So, uh, but I, yeah, luckily I'm in the central part of the state, so I'm only about two and a half from my bear. It's two and a half from the elk. And you know, not too pretty. Terrible. Incredible. Not well, l-
1: let me just take a minute to just say what a. I think it's pretty incredible. I would not have even known, and, and being a neighbor to Oklahoma here in Arkansas, I mean we're we're 20 miles from the Oklahoma border right here where yeah. we're sitting, and uh, I would not have known that Oklahoma had all those big game. Right. I just wouldn't have even known it. So because of, and it's partially because of the Panhandle, if you think about it. So the East West. Length of Oklahoma is really wide. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see. I bet it's one of the widest. This would be interesting. I bet it's one of the widest states when you count the panhandle. I mean, like obviously Texas would be wider. Montana. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some, some of some of would be that yeah. But but when you think about that, because the topography of North America changes from east to west. You go from the eastern deciduous forest into the Grand Prairie into the Rockies. You know, and so it's like the very eastern edge of Oklahoma mm-hmm. is in the eastern deciduous forest. Right. I mean it like which is a massive topographic vegetative mm-hmm. feature of North America. And then, you know, you get 2 hours from here and you're you're pretty much in the prairie. I mean, the mm-hmm. breadbasket of the planet. Yep. And then you keep going and you almost get into the desert like high desert is what it is. High Jim? desert. Yeah, so it goes from high desert to great to prairie to eastern deciduous forest. And there's mm-hmm. I don't know of any other states that Encompass all those things. It's one of the most diverse states. Te- Texas, at, Texas would. Texas,
2: Texas does, and uh, I believe California. I think it's number three for the most diverse state for vegetation. Okay. Which okay. vegetation is the indication? That's of, a good statement of you know, like ecosystems, like you're talking. about. Yeah, about, so about what
1: the, types of animals that it could hold. Well, know? just
2: yeah, just the terrain. So, like the you're talking about the eastern half of the state is. Uh, you know, large pine, large oak. Just big woods. Giant big woods, all timber. Wood. And it transitions from there to the cross timbers, which is where I, I grew up, where the yeah. where the big pines meets the plains. And then it meets the plains. And then, you know, it has all these sub ecosystems within the state that we're, we're very fortunate to hold, you know, large populations of different animals, frankly.
1: Yeah. So. Right on. Okay. So we've established this project. And so people yeah. will be able to watch this this fall at right. some point. At, at either on television mm-hmm. or on YouTube at some point, right? Well, most likely, on Hunters YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So l- let's talk about your bear hunting. Okay. So this bear that you took in 2018 was your first bear that you've killed. Correct. Is that right? Correct. And so what what were I wanted to ask you ask you some specific questions because you already said that we've talked quite a bit and we were talking about baiting bears and whatnot. Like what were the what was the biggest challenge inside of being successful baiting bears in Oklahoma?
2: The biggest challenge uh, was getting to the bait, <laughs> uh, running the bait stations. I know – Yeah,
1: just to, the actual work of the actual the work, station.
2: The actual work of making sure that there was always food, you know, where I was wanting to be hunting. Yeah. Uh, that was by far the hum- – because I, you know, I'm fortunate to, to travel and to hunt across the country. And September is a busy month for me, and yeah. you know our season opens up October first, uh, but my hunting season opens up the end of October or end of August, right? Right. And so, in between trips, I was scheduling, you know, uh, you know, driving down to to run bait in southeast Oklahoma, and I was having like my my dad uh, hunted bear with me, and I was having him run my bait station uh, yeah. while I was gone on trips. I was going on a elk hunt for twelve days in the middle of middle of September, and I mean, our bait station was, you know, running out in four or five days. So we had to make sure yeah. it was, there was always bait there. You know how to, I mean,
0: yeah. I didn't
2: know this until, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to have you to, to text and to ask all these questions to, but you know, you don't want the bait to run out. Right. Uh, you want them to, I mean, I learned about oil from you. <laughs> like I would have never right, even thought to put and stuff. Yeah. Grease and, you know, canola oil. And cause you said that it, uh, the oil gets all over their pads and it right. spreads across the woods and then that brings in more bears and uh, my bait station where I actually killed uh, we were very lucky to have I mean a lot of bears I mean I hate to say the exact number Uh, some people that we hunt with say the exact number you know they give a number but it was
1: more than one uh,
2: it was way more than one way we had a really we had one really big boar that had a huge blaze on his uh big chevron you know big white chevron on his chest and then we had a big sow that were they were equal size but wow. she also had a huge chevron, and we thought I thought it was the same bear for a long time until uh, I got this I got them together, and they were fighting each other.
1: Is that right? Yeah.
2: Uh, but then we had we had those two. We had the two boars like that were the size that I kill. And We had a couple of boars that were actually really that size, or a few boars, and then a bunch of like random, you know, sows and cubs. I mean, we had yeah. a very active bait station. Yeah, yeah. And so you uh, set
1: one place that you were baiting over there. We had
2: one place that we ended up. Keeping bait. Okay, so you yeah. t- you
1: tried some other places that didn't work.
2: Yeah, they they didn't they didn't they didn't they bite. take. Yeah, they didn't take as well as that place. So. What do you think?
1: What was the problem with those? Just bears weren't there. Wasn't secluded. Was there any factors in the successful bait that you could say these were the factors that made this one successful? Like in terms yep. of location.
2: Yeah. So where I killed. So where we're hunting. I don't want to give away the name of the mountain, but we're hunting on a, a pretty tall mountain on our property yeah. and uh we we're on the north face of it and i think being on the north face in october helped i don't know if this has anything at all but i think that that's definitely the cooler side of the mountain yeah. i think that that helped and we were right next to a spring fed creek i mean literally the back of my blind was up against a creek that always had water in it
1: uh, okay and yeah. uh,
2: so around that creek it's a big drainage that goes up and down the mountain so if an animal wants to go up the mountain which I, when i say a mountain it's you know 1400 feet from the bottom of to the top yeah and there's a huge uh you know a gully that goes up so that if you're going to go up it that's the easiest place to go up it yeah and uh, so it's a natural corridor because of that there's water there We're on the north side of the mountain i think it was cool i think them bears want to stay cool that time of year yeah so i think that had a lot to do with it one of the other stations that we had i mean it kind of got bad luck it was more in the open i put it kind of in the open for the video aspect of it uh but <laughs> like just a curse of bad luck um uh, Two days before, uh, the first open, the opener, right? Uh, we were we were hundred yards off of a, of a big oil oil well site. Yeah. You know. they move in an oil rig to clear out the hole. Oh, okay. You know, so there's forty people on trucks and and uh, so that that kind of killed that spot because there, we did have a good bear coming in there.
1: Uh, so maybe that spot would be good in the future.
2: Yes, but yes, and the the chances of them coming in now they were literally just going in there to clean it up for some reason, so they're uh, not gonna come in there for years now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a good spot, and that but that spot is also right next to a creek. So I think the water has a lot. To, uh, water had a lot to do yeah. with. Uh, our you discussion. know,
1: also on the north side of a mountain, the most of the time that that time of year there would be a southerly or southwesterly mm-hmm. prevailing wind, so that wind would have been blowing. From the south, blowing your scent up onto that mountain.
2: Well, Correct? No, we were on the north face, so it had been coming over the mountain.
1: Let me think about what you're saying. Okay, okay, you're right. right? I'm, I'm back. I'm backwards. Yep. I'm backwards.
2: And I was concerned because it is a it's a pretty steep mountain. I was concerned that the prevailing wind is out of the south, like you said. That we're gonna get a lot of swirls. And okay. With, and with all that, uh, I don't know how greatly the Vegetation will affect, you know, wind currents. I was really afraid that our wind current would be swirling a lot in there. And I honestly believe it was swirling a lot, but we got really lucky on the opener. It didn't yeah. affect us. So, yeah. But that could be why they like to be on north, because the wind is swirling. They can smell everything.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Well, it seems to me that in those mountains, the wind swirls no matter where you're at. But that's
2: true. That that Well, that's what the vegetation.
1: Yeah, it yeah. really does. Those little... Kind of smaller mountains like that, with a lot of drainages and different things, just swirls like crazy everywhere. Right. So you killed, so you you started baiting these bears. You were running, you running the baits, which is a ton of work. Mm -hmm. And people that haven't hunted over bait, you know, sometimes don't understand the amount of work gathering bait and all these different things. You know. But one thing that we said earlier is that there's there's no other big game hunt that you interact with an animal as closely as a baited black bear hunt, because right. it's like a white-tailed deer, if you're hunting a white-tailed deer, a target buck that you see and kill, you're probably going to see him for like 30 seconds before you kill him. Right. And it's probably the first time you've seen him. Yep. Uh, you may not have had this experience, but like over the years of baiting bears, I mean, you'll you'll see bears often. Like when you're baiting, you'll learn there, like actual see them when you go into bait, there'll be a bear up in the woods or he'll try to come in right. on you or you'll, and so you see this animal, but you know, you can't hunt him cause it's not season. Right. You're watching trail cameras and you realize that that animal is patterning you, you know? I mean like you see that he was there two minutes before you got there and then he was there 30 minutes after you left. Right. And it's like you kind of start playing this like cat and mouse game with this animal. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is like that. Yep. And so it 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 forms kind of a unique hunt in my mind because mm-hmm. you're you're just I mean you're 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 feeding this animal. Right. And um and it's it's the way that I the reason I like hunting over bait in this part of the world, you know, every every hunt that I do, I try to find a Kind of what I want to be the limiting factor, like where I want the challenge to be. And to me, hunting in this part of the world, I like I like targeting really big, older, mature males. Right. Um, um, and so, by baiting, you can do that, but it's also extremely difficult to kill a big, giant bear over bait. A lot of people don't understand that. I mean, they just think, well, there's just a big dumb bear that just walks in, but. Like the bear that I killed in Oklahoma this year, we'd been hunting him for five years, and I'd never laid eyes on him mm-hmm. on property that we have hunted extensively. Mm-hmm. Super. I mean, this bear, he knew us better than we knew him. Yeah. Very difficult to You'd hunt. Been
2: hunting him for five
1: years. Hunting him for five years. Yeah. Wow. Getting pictures of him, trying to take him, and I've never seen him. Yeah. You know. And so, anyway, I guess I'm trying to paint the picture that it's a challenge. It's um, uh, it's also a great. Conservation method for managing bears in Oklahoma. The the, the bear population is uh, upwards of two to three thousand bears, and they're and they're harvesting every year between forty and eighty bears per year. And the only way that they can do that is through bait, because a lot you get a lot of guys that don't understand bait hunting. They're like, well, why do you have to hunt over bait? Why can't you hunt them like real men? Well, come to Oklahoma and try to kill a bear, just spot and stalk and let's see how that goes i mean you can do it but it's tough and so by by hunting them over bait it's really a conservation tool to manage black bears but it's also a lot of fun it's a ton of fun right. to get to see that many bears to to create a honey hole mm-hmm. you know i mean you, you you have all these bears coming in and it's just fun to it's fun to be in a situation like that because it's you don't you don't see that too often. You get to see bears interact and different stuff. But tell me about killing your bear. Like, what was it like to, was it, uh, I know it happened quick. You killed it him did. on the first morning. Well,
2: one of the cool things, we talked about, you know, having the work, I mean, uh, of actually baiting, you know, running the bait station. But one of the cool things about this hunt is I planned on there being a bear on the station when I was getting in the blind, Yeah. right? Because actually yep. you told me specifically told me not to go in there open in the morning. Yep. You told me not to. Yeah.
1: I disobeyed you. Sorry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you made it work though. Yeah. But, yeah well you, you, you amended for the thing that I was telling you not to do, which is go in and spook a bear. Right.
2: Yeah. I, and so what you, I did,
1: so you amended for that. So what, what I did
2: what I ended up doing so I put up a, a maristep like a pop up line originally yeah. and they kept you know breaking that they broke it and they kept dragging it off. Every time I put it up they drag it. And they were just they just played with it. So what I ended up doing is I built a wooden blind and I put it where my Maristat blind was, where they, I mean, they could tear it up, I guess if they wanted to, but it's a wood blind. So what I did was, is I situated a trail and some really thick cover and cleared out the ground where it was on dirt and rocks. uh, So you
1: removed all the leaves and crunchy stuff.
2: Right. For about 150 yards.
1: Wow, so you could just slip right into the backside of this blind. Yes, and so – In the dark.
2: In the in the pitch black with no light. Uh, I don't know if they are affected by flashlights or not, but we didn't use one. Uh, yeah. whenever we when, when it came down to crunch time, we didn't use one. Uh, so we actually slipped the blind. It was wet. Opened the opened the back of the, the blind, which I, I made to be quiet. Slipped in. We put carpet on the floor to be quiet and yeah. uh, shut the door quietly looked out the window there was a you know a black bear at 20 yards was it was there. pitch black now don't get me wrong it was it was pitch black but you but could
1: make out the black we can make
2: out a blob moving in the in the darkness and then i got my glasses on him and you know could tell that it was
1: you know there he a is. black
2: bear yeah and it was one of so like i told you we had different animals coming into the station and i knew that it was one of the not the two big ones but it was one of the other to me, it was a big bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it, a mature, I mean, it was, it was an
1: adult animal.
2: Right. And so what I, it, it was one of, it was an adult, right? It was an adult. And this one happened to be a color phase one that was there. And it laid there. And we, it laid there for over an hour in front of us. We were waiting for the, you know, obviously wow. to get legal light yeah. and for the camera to get light. So once the legal light came, we wanted to get a little more light for, for the camera and to shoot because frankly, it's dark in that blind. Yeah. Uh, and he, for whatever reason, actually not whatever reason, I know what it was now. He looked up. And just pff, skedaddled, and you know they just disappear like that, and as quietly as yeah, it's hard to explain how quiet these big animals move through the t- you know through the timber. And yeah. he disappeared. And I was kicking myself for not because I mean he, he was in front of me for obviously hours, but he was it was legal for fifteen or twenty minutes. Okay. I could have shot him. Okay, uh, I was like, "Dagum!" I should. I was trying to milk it basically, which I yeah. never do. And he walked off. We filmed him walking off, and less than two or three minutes later. Here from the opposite direction, the same size bear slipped in, and that was the bear that I ended up shooting yeah and uh he messed around there at the at the at the station for a little bit, and I drew back and and I shot him, and fortunately, he went down thirty yards and you know right in front of the right in front of the blind, so yeah uh it was uh it was pretty surreal I mean really and then my dad came it happened in quick, yeah, we happened real quick, and he died basically at the bait station, yeah. Uh, and so we we drove the the quad up there, <laughs> somehow loaded them up onto the quad, and got out of there quickly. And my dad actually came in there that night. He actually that morning, and sat there all night and kill one, or all day and kill one. You know, kill one that evening. That evening, yeah. Now
1: what what did you estimate your bear to weigh? You think?
2: I think he was. Uh, they didn't
1: weigh him. They did not
2: weigh him. I okay. think that he was probably in the high two hundreds, mid two hundreds, okay. high two hundreds. Yeah, Frank. I mean, that's what I think. I, people that was with they said and actually the biologist said he was over 300 but really okay i i i thought he was in the high 200s and i'm only guessing off of like picking him up and yeah. handling him
1: well, that's a good bear it was a was a boar it was a boar yes yeah, so. he had a
2: little b blaze on his on his little white patch on yeah. his chest yeah. which i thought was cool yeah. i mean the the one that the target bear he had a you know from shoulder to shoulder and real thick and it was just beautiful yeah. Yeah, uh, but yep, the one I got I was super proud of. Uh, I haven't ate it yet. I'll have to text you for some uh,
1: for some uh, yep. uh, recipes. Well, you can pretty much use it for anything. Yep. anything you're using beef for, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah, you need to you need to eat it. It's good stuff.
2: Oh, I'm definitely gonna eat. it. It's in my freezer. I just haven't pulled it out yet and cooked it.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well you have to try it.
2: That could be something I do on my thirtieth birthday, Saturday. That's a good idea. Right. Yeah.
1: Barbecue bear. That's smoked right. bear. Smoke it? Yeah. What kind of smoke? Uh hickory smoke. Thick hickory smoke. Yeah. That's I really like smoking bear like brisket. Yeah. Like barbecue barbecue sauce all over like it. Smoke the roast? Yeah, like smoke like, a ham. Yeah. Like uh and just make uh, smoked bear meat. So really you, good.
2: You, I I season it. And do everything just like I was smoking a brisket or a ribs. Yeah, just
1: treat it treat it just like beef or pork. I mean, right. just kind of like a fatty portion of beef or pork. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, trim off most of the fat. You hear some people say you got to trim off all the fat. I've not necessarily had too much problem with, uh, with fat. But you'll be surprised how good it will taste. Is it
2: important to cook it slowly? Because I know that. Well,
1: you need to cook it thoroughly for sure. I mean, well, you.
2: I, yeah, because of what's the what's the what's Trichinella is with, what. Tri- yeah,
1: is what they can have.
2: But what's uh, I was I was gonna say, cook it slowly uh, to render. You know, like the because the, they're very. There's a lot of. I don't know if it's called tendons or whatever. There's a lot right. of sinew in there. Yeah, it can be meat. tough
1: if you don't if you don't if you don't get it tender just by cooking it for a long time for sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Well. Um, I like what you did in that you cleared out a path and got in there before daylight. Right. And I just want to say that that's a good strategy if your goal is just to kill a bear. But let me paint a different picture for you. Do it. Let's say you had a 500-pound bear that was the only bear that you were interested in taking. Right. You know, on a bait. That's when I wouldn't do that because it, I mean, right. it was a little bit risky. Right. Well, because
2: you know how risky it was. is the My number one bear, which he wasn't a 500-pound bear, but he was – probably mid 300s or high 300s, really good bear. He was on there about 20 minutes before I got there. Okay. You know what I mean? So I was that close to spooking
1: him. Well, and and you think about when you watch a lot of these bears and how they interact with bait, they're just, when they leave and aren't in front of your camera, it doesn't mean that they just disappear from the planet. That's true. They might be out in the woods 50 yards bedded down. That's true. And so you, like, walking in, and, you know, you could have you could have bumped him or something. But, again, good job. You made it work. But that's the reason I always tell people, especially if you're targeting like a ultra – I mean, just an animal that you really want to kill and don't want to mess up, I like just hunting afternoons. Because I promise you, if you spooked a bear, a big bear like that off a of bait, most of the time he's not going to come back. Yeah. I mean, for a long time – or at least during the daylight. Let me let me say that. Right. In Oklahoma and Arkansas, I can't speak for that. In in Canada, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> in some other places, bears are just not as attuned to being bumped, but these big bears are. They they just know how to. So that's why I'm like ultra careful because right. I'd rather come in there in the early to late afternoon, get right. set up, and then kill him right at dark right. when he's coming back in from being bedded. So do you run it? So
2: you whenever you run stations, do you like running there with a quad or some type of a truck or something?
1: Yeah. I don't have any problem just with, with driving actually to the bait site mm-hmm. and making a little bit of noise and leaving. I mean, I don't try try to make noise, but right. um, what, what I say is just whatever pattern that you establish for baiting bears, don't break it. Right. So like if you like, There's a lot of guys that are challenged by the time frames that they have to work inside of baiting bears, and so they might come in after work one day, and might come in before work the next day to bait bears. So you know they might be there at seven o'clock in the morning, they might be there at dark. And I think that's the worst thing that you can do, because you're trying to create this safe space for this big old bear that's ultra smart Mm -hmm. to decide that it's okay to be here during daylight. Mm -hmm. And so if he, if you're extremely predictable he will be more predictable. Right. Because after you leave at, you know, I I pretty much have a window from like 1030 to two that I will bait my best places. Mm -hmm. I might have some fringe places that I'm testing out that I might roll in there at six o'clock and throw out. But I mean, it's like I'm just not that concerned about it. You know, there's a 200-pound bear on the bait. But like when I was trying to kill Batman last year, Mm -hmm. it's like you got to do a ton of stuff right Mm-hmm. To make it work, and so well, five years. Right. I, I would I would rather let the bait go dry than go in there at six o'clock in the afternoon a week before season, right. And put out bait. That's my yeah. philosophy. And so, anyway, just the more predictable that you can be, the more predictable they'll be, because right. they feel safe. That's right. basically the essence of it. But. Well, that's
2: I will definitely take that to heart. I'll, I will follow that more next year. Just, next year just, I'm gonna just, be after a little. I mean, next year I'm, I'm gonna hunt again, and yeah. I'm gonna be after a little bigger bear. And so maybe it'll be. Like it you all said, it just depends
1: on what you're trying to do.
2: Right, I was trying to kill a bear with yeah. black fur, you know, that yep. was what I you was did after. you good.
1: You got it done. So. Well, the main thing that I I take from a conservation perspective of of kind of what we're talking about, we talked about your slam with killing these five big game animals in mm-hmm. in Oklahoma is that I was thinking about this from a macro perspective. Man, those animals are there and the habitat for those animals is there because of hunters. for real like hunters are the ones that are hunters are the ones that reintroduced bear essentially back into oklahoma uh hunters i know the elk i'm pretty sure the elk were reintroduced they're native over there but they were reintroduced at some point because they were Mm -hmm. extirpated out of oklahoma it you know it wasn't the anti-hunting organizations that put those elk there it was guys that had ultimately, the first love that they have was for wildlife. But the second thing is, is they wanted to hunt elk. I mean, Mm so, Brandon, I always, you know, everything that we're doing, especially being bear hunters, you know, bear hunters are the low-hanging fruit for the anti-hunting community. And we see it firsthand here at Bear Hunting Magazine. A lot of people, even hunters, don't understand why we hunt bear. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, they ask us if we eat it. They ask us why we'd want to hunt a bear. And uh, so I always, always bring it back to these kind of, conservation principles of 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 why we well of of why we even have bear and in, in oklahoma we have bear because of hunters that's essentially mm-hmm. what i'm saying we have elk in oklahoma because of hunters mm-hmm. i mean and we're the ones that are historically have been protecting habitat and putting money into habitat and wildlife conservation and so really it's a testament to the north american model of wildlife, cons- wildlife conservation that oklahoma has five big game species like it does that's which right. is incredible and so, really, what I see when I see you doing what you're doing, it's really a celebration of uh, of a celebration of, of a celebration of conservation working. Right. You know. I agree. And and at the same time, it's just really cool to be able to do that to do it with a boat. So there's all these like hunting feats that is really cool about it, but also there's a bigger picture to me that's really cool that a lot of people wouldn't have known about. And um, so, yeah, well. Colby, you haven't said a word.
0: I know I'm like you a silent partner. Over you haven't,
1: here. you haven't, we haven't given you a place to step in. Uh, well, you know, I really like podcasts and The live version is just as good as the one I listen to in my truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except every now and then you hear your voice like popping in. Yeah, on the, when you're in the truck. Yeah, I'm saying stuff like yeah and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, any uh, any closing? Let me go to Colby and then we'll end with you. Okay. Closing thoughts, Colby. What are your observations, comments, thoughts?
0: Man, I think uh, I think the quote that keeps coming into my mind is, the dream is free and the hustle is sold separately. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, the the whole thing is really cool. I mean, especially to do it with a bow, you know, like, have to get that close. And, uh, yeah, I'm always surprised that guys can get an antelope with a bow. Yeah, Like, it always just blows my mind because I have such good sight and they're so yep. fast and... I don't
2: know. I was surprised too. <laughs> yeah, I had to shoot him at eighty-five yards. You said yeah,
1: that was the hardest hunt.
2: Out of the out of the five in Oklahoma, the antelope one hundred percent was the hardest one to get on the ground. Yeah, Yeah, one hundred percent. Because for a couple of reasons, one, like you said, the eyesight. Mm. Uh, but in Oklahoma, there's a bunch of control hunts starting in the beginning of September. They, they go, they're all rifle hunts, and there's a limited amount of area that you can right. even hunt antelope in Oklahoma. You know, there's a county and a half, and. uh so they've been hunted for a month. I showed up at the end of the archery season. The archery season is from October the 1st to the 14th. I showed mm-hmm. up. My first day was the 10th.
1: Oh, really? So you only had four days? I
2: had five days, the 10th to the 14th. Wow. And uh, and and so so I had at the very tail end of a over a month of hunting. So these animals are spooky. They've been hunted. They've been spooked from here to there across the county. And plus, there's... I, was number, I think I was number 62 or 60-something 60 that was checked in at that check station, hmm. which that means there was more because there's another check station down the road. So let's just say there was
1: 80. There, there was 80 less antelope yeah. to, to kill. Um, presumably the dumb ones got killed. Presumably, so now, exactly. Now it's the smart ones that are left. Right,
2: and to boot, when I get there, the day I'm pulling in, uh, it's 30 degrees and it's snowing. Okay. And so, and it had been raining the entire. Because traditionally, when people think of a bow hunt for antelope, they think of sitting over water.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because
2: that is by far the most productive. What happens way to do out it. west? Yeah. yeah. And so, and it's post rut too. So I had a decoy, but they weren't responsive. You know, it's mm. middle of October now, and it's everything's wet, so there's nowhere to go. So it's just a it's, it's a crapshoot, and I got fortunate. I, I've used that word a lot, but you know. <laughs> I was fortunate. Yeah. I was very lucky to uh, to have a, a buck that was bedded in a certain spot where I could sneak. You up were on just
1: him. lucky, Brandon. Yeah, that's I, all it was. That's just right. pure it was luck. All luck.
2: I, hey, i brother. I'll take it. <laughs> I had a very lucky season. I did.
1: No, no. I don't. I don't like when people use that word because, you know, inside of a hunt, like Hopey said, the the dream. What it's a quote it, that I it's use all. It's, quote. Well, it's not, well, I not your originally, it like, but. The dream is free. The hustle is sold separately. Right. So, I mean, you did a ton of work on this. You know, I think inside of an individual hunt, like a guy could be fortunate, could be lucky, like favorable circumstances, Mm -hmm. but you got to hustle to find a favorable circumstance. Mm -hmm. that's what successful hunters do. Right. Is they hustle and work and work and work and work until they get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) very true. It's the truth. I mean, you're just, you're searching for that. Moment of good fortune when the wind's in your favor the animal's stalkable you make a good shot and everything comes together right. so you know and i you know that and most people that are hunters that are listening to this podcast would know that too That yeah. luck is probably not the best way to describe it but it does play a part in it
2: uh well if you if you don't think that you're lucky then you're a liar uh every every opportunity no matter if you have a deer yeah. an animal a bear anything if you have it pattered down to a T. Like, you know, it's going to walk by this tree at three forty-five every single day. And it's done it for 10 days in a row. Well, guess what? If you're going to sit there on the 11th day, it has to do it the 11 times in a row. Yeah. You have to get lucky for that animal to do it. Yeah. You know, no yeah. matter, no matter how smart and how good you think you are, you have to be lucky. Yeah. And every one of the kills that I had this year, yeah, I put a lot of work in. there was a lot of, uh, mental preparation that went into this whole endeavor. Um. But to have the animals in front of me and for me to capitalize on them—that's luck. And yes, there was a lot of a lot of work, you know.
1: Yeah. But you got to to get. The, it was a lot of luck too. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, you know, we really didn't get into the nitty gritty of like every animal. We'll leave that for the the show. Yeah. We'll leave that for people later this fall to be able yeah. to see the details of every of every hunt. And uh, closing thoughts. You're at the man. You're at the global headquarters. This is like the. This is like the bear hunting mecca of the world. I believe it. Looking around the room, I can tell that <laughs> that's
2: exactly what it is. There is dead bear and bear paraphernalia and whitetail paraphernalia all around me. I love it. I, I greatly appreciate you helping me out on this uh, on this project. Uh, you're going to provide a uh, tremendous amount of insight uh, when so we did a to, couple of interviews, right? Yeah. To, yeah, yeah we yeah. didn't really explain that. Yeah. So yeah. what you did is you did some interviews to provide some insight for the history of the black bear and you know just overall information on on black bear and black bear hunting yeah. in oklahoma uh stuff that i can't provide because i don't know any of it uh so i come to people like you experts like you and uh, I'm lucky to have you know like hey. bear hunting mag and you know, a bunch of other organizations helping me out for the other end we're
1: gonna do a podcast sometime really soon with a bear biologist in oklahoma and a lady that's done more bear research in oklahoma than anybody else so that's coming great that will be a to- total nerd out Biological I'll be, Black I'll be s- session, yeah.
2: I'll be listening.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be really good. Yeah. But, so yeah.
2: Anyway, I greatly appreciate your help, and uh, yeah, you you definitely knocked it out of the park with your interview. So, well, yeah, I'm just grateful to have the opportunities I had, and um, uh, <laughs> we did we haven't mentioned this, but you know, I was fortunate to be the 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 first one to ever.
1: Right. We didn't even say that. Yeah,
2: I was, I, I'm the only one. To, not only so. <laughs> I didn't know this going into it we'll close with this. I didn't know that going into it. I didn't know that right. I was going to be the first one to ever tag all five of those animals in Oklahoma, and yes, there may have been someone that's done it before,
1: probably not in the same not in the same season with a bow though well
2: no well, I can't imagine I thought yeah. if i I thought if I could pull that off, I might be the first one to ever do that, but yeah, it turns out I'm the only one to ever tag all five, okay, and then period okay, so weapon. even
1: to tag all five, yeah, no one's ever gone okay. with any weapon, yeah uh
2: and then to uh, To get it all in one year right uh, on. with, with a bow, um, it's going to be hard to top that season.
1: Yeah. So. Well, until the sequel. <laughs> in there 2019. Ain't, there
2: ain't going to be a sequel for that. <laughs> Not in Oklahoma. <laughs> so,
1: uh, yeah. The next well, time thanks, it's going to be trad style. Trad. Yeah, yeah you he's going to up that, the game. Up you got to do with a trad bow next time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, struggle stick. struggle <laughs> stick. <struggle> well, <laughs> hey, so you can, you can check out Brandon Adams on uh, Instagram. B underscore it's underscore ba underscore Adams. Okay.
2: Yep. Or yep. check us out on Major League Bowhunter at Major League Bow. Uh, go follow us on the YouTube. Uh, you know all the whole nine yards. Watch us on the Sports Channel uh, starting at Q3, which is in July.
1: Yeah. So, okay. And then
2: check out Slammed. Uh, it'll be this fall, probably in August sometime. Uh, we don't have do to that scheduled but check that out. Definitely, it'll be online. You know, probably. In the fall.
1: Yeah. Right on. Thanks, Brandon. Well. Keep the
0: wild places wild because that's what bears do. You ever get that feeling? The walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with Interstate Batteries.